0: Thanks for listening to the Archbridge Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Wiltherdink, and today I'll be talking with Priya Sarathi-Jones. Priya is the National Policy and Campaigns Director at the Fines and Fees Justice Center, where she is primarily responsible for supporting and leading national coalitions for fines and fees reform. Prior to joining the center, Priya worked at the Department of Justice for nearly a decade, served in a variety of policy positions. Her portfolio included public defense with an emphasis on Sixth Amendment issues, as well as wrongful conviction, capital case litigation, and tribal law enforcement. In addition to her policy work at the Justice Department, Priya also served as senior counsel for the House Oversight Committee. Priya, it's really great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining.
1: Thanks for having me
0: absolutely so i i want to kind of get things off started for people who are really not involved in this space at all maybe not know why there's an issue with fines and fees at all so you know in my mind a fine or a fee a fee you know something you pay for like a business license or something or a fine you know you get a traffic ticket something like that that's sort of what i think i think of maybe what most people think of so can you kind of give me sort of an overview of you know that's probably not the whole picture when it comes to fines and fees. Um, so what are what are some of the things that we're missing? So why, why are fines and fees something that are worthy of our attention and wh- how have they become a problem?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, we sort of touched on it. So by definition, a fine and a fee have different legal definition. So a fee and purposes. Um, so a fine is... The punishment is the punitive aspect of um, when there's a violation or an offense, you know, you think of like a fine and oftentimes it's thought to be in lieu um, as an alternative to any type of incarceration. <laughs> so when you're thinking about traffic, that is definitely a place where fines show up. A fee is solely about revenue generation and sort of costs for the government. And so that could be to generate new revenue. um, It could be to cover costs. It could be entirely unrelated to any of these things, or it's just money that's going to go to various aspects of government operations, um, programming, things that have nothing to do with wherever sort of the, the fee originates. And so, you know, you have, and also on the government side, I think you think of you probably need to think of fees in two contexts. You you touched on it, like, you know, you might have an application fee for a business license or something that the government is operating in. But when we're talking about fines and fees, we are exclusively talking about when they show up in the criminal legal system. And so... Or something sort of traffic is adjacent because it's a little quasi criminal. In some places it is criminal, some places it's civil, but it has sort of criminal implications. And so, um, for us, when we're talking about fees, we're talking about people who have contact with these systems who are then charged numerous fees once that contact occurs. And that could be once again for some of the, the, the line items could be directly related to the contact, but a lot of them are not. They go to trauma centers and they go to, you know, police retirement funds and trainings and sort of anything that you think that the government might be needing to pay for, they they have become a mechanism how we... Um, pay for various government operations. So we really just see them as taxes. It's a a different form of taxation, but it's only happening for people who are having contact with the system, which we know uh, is disproportionately low-income individuals and Black and brown communities. And so when you start getting into like, well, who's having that contact? So then who's being asked to pay for that? You sort of get into um, the racial disparities of how we already sort of very aware that the criminal legal system works in general. So-
0: that's really. Can you what give me the- an example of like a, a, a kind of this sort of contact that you're talking about, or sort of the like a, a typical situation that you might think of? Um...
1: Let's take a traffic encounter. I mean, I think that's probably the most simple. The most simple in the sense that most people understand it. Most people have probably had it to some extent um, right. in in various places, and so. You know, I think a lot of people would actually be surprised to know that in at least 12 states, still that uh, low level traffic violations, uh, the kind that people make sort of every day when they're driving, um, thinking about not fully completely stopping at a stop sign or changing lanes, right? Without signaling, yeah. this kind of thing. Um, California
0: rolling stop. Yeah.
1: California <laughs> rolling up. they're criminal in 12 states. And so that means that they're misdemeanors. And so um, that means that warrants can attach. That means a lot of things can start to happen, right? When you, there are a lot of consequences when you don't pay the ticket. Um, and so a really specific ex- <laughs> sort of example of this will be like in California, you have, you get a ticket and the ticket, let's say, is $150, which by the way, is pretty high to begin with um, for really yeah. low level um, traffic um, infractions, especially when we're thinking about where most people in this country really fall in terms of their um, economic stability, how much money they have in savings for like a case like this, if something happens. And so if you get stopped and you get this $150 ticket, if you don't pay it, in full usually in the time period that's allotted some places that's 30 days, some places it's 45, some places it's 60. Um, what happens is it doubles, right? It doubles in most places. And so that doubling is a fee. It's another name for a fee. It's a penalty. Right. And then, Mm -hmm. um, in California specifically, there's a $300 surcharge that is attached to that ticket. And so, you easily go if it's pay, not
0: paid on time it's
1: not paid in those 30 days and so then um something that was a 100 a 150 dollars all of a sudden is 450 dollars right and so yeah um and that's, a, that's just one of the fees that's just the surcharge it's the highest one so it's like an example that i would use but there's also other fees that could be, you know, smaller, $2 fee here, a $3 fee here, a $10 fee here, right? That add up also. So then at the end, you have this cumulative fee structure on top of the fine that has been assessed for, um, your traffic violation. And so that is the most common, I would say, way that this sort of appears is that the everyday traffic citation, but you can also think of it in everyday misdemeanors, right? That are showing up across the country where, um, they do not have jail time well they might have jail time but they you know we're not obviously encouraging that they do have jail time and then um people are getting those citations they come with fines and then they have court costs and fees and all kinds of things that come up so you also see if you try to show up and like dispute your um your ticket you might say a fine we'll dismiss the ticket." Don't worry about that, and we'll charge you the $250 for court fees for coming here today. And so Great. that's another way that show up. And so it's there's no, there's not situations where you say, like, I didn't do it, I shouldn't be here. This is what's going on. And then it's like zero dollars go on with your day. You're charged for show. So
0: that's up. very rare.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very rare that you will not have some financial situation that attaches whether you pay it in in full up front whether you pay it um you're late you're behind whether you get on a payment plan and you're charged extra fees because you're on the payment plan so here's an extra 15 dollars a month every time you need to make a payment right so the ways the numerous ways that this shows up um really vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction but you can also think about Who's most likely to bear the cost of those fees, right? who's who's not paying their ticket right away and on time when they get it? Usually someone that doesn't have the means to just deal with it, right? to just say that it's okay, it's two hundred dollars and I'm annoyed and maybe I shouldn't have gotten the ticket in the first place, but it's not worth my time today to like you know dispute that. so I'm gonna pay my two hundred dollars and I'm gonna go about my day. but that if that's mm-hmm. not an option for you, and even if you have to get it on a payment plan and then they say, You know, it's fifty dollars upfront, and then it's a it's an extra fifteen dollar fee every time you. You know, make a payment. You know, you see how all of these things start to add up, and right, and for the government in particular, it's an easy, it's an easy thing to do, right? Where you think about how, and I'm by no means a tax expert, but I do know it's incredibly difficult to change your tax laws, right? To get taxes passed, to increase them, to sort of go through the process that many places have for those types of decisions to be made. But it's really easy to say we're going to track, track like, attach a an extra hundred dollar surcharge here, an extra fee here, and and we've seen that happen. Um, A lot over the last 15 years, and really there, there's fees and fines have always been a part of the U.S. um, criminal legal system, and Mm -hmm. you know there, there's an excessive fines clause right in the in the Constitution, but then there's the fees really started to ramp up, um, what we saw during the Great Recession when there were budget. Um, uh, strains in local state and local governments, you start to see the fees go up and where they show up, how much they are, even fines and number and amount start to increase across the country and new things start to be added to the books for fines. And so what it's really become is a tool for trying to address your budget shortfalls across the country. And so we saw it in the Great Recession. Right. And we're we're watching and heavily concerned about how it's showing up now too, um, given what's been going on the last two years.
0: Right. So you kind of, you have that initial budget crunch. And then rather than taking the case to your constituents and making the case for why we need more revenue or, you know, on the other side of things, trying to trim that budget and try to rein in costs, you're trying to squeeze rather than doing either of those two, more responsible things. You're trying to squeeze out this extra revenue from a place that is not meant to raise revenue, right? Like that's oh. not that's not why we have those things. That's not what it's intended for. No. So, is there? I guess if if I were well, okay, let me back up here. How widespread is this problem? Is this is this something that our people are dealing with in every state in the United States? Or you mentioned you know some states um, the traffic violations are criminal. Twelve, I think you said, and that that probably leads into some more serious, some more serious uh, consequences when it comes to fines and fees. But how, you know, is this like half the country or, or, you know, how widespread is this? Every issue? single
1: state, every single state has okay. this in some capacity or the other. So fines and fees exist in every single state fees in particular. I mean, fines exist in every state fees also exist mm-hmm. in every state. Um, the, 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 the variation is all the ways that they show up, right? And so whether you're going you're gonna to see them um, and where you're going to see them and where they go, right? So that's probably yeah. the, 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 the variety, right? The thing that's harder to pin down is what are all the fees in every single state? I could not tell you that. It's extremely hard to track down. Um, and where do those fees go? Something I also couldn't tell you in every single state, although there are states where we know we'll try to do a deeper dive into and see if we can track some of that. But um, it is widespread and that it exists in every single state across the country. Um, And it is it's just sort of now become part of how we do business and how we operate government. And people are not necessarily thinking twice about it. And it is really important in our work. And it it also exists in the juvenile um, justice system. Right. We're charging juvenile juveniles fines and fees for their contact with the juvenile justice system and their families and asking them to pay for these things. And and in some states that attaches to the juvenile, right? They are, their license is preemptively suspended. So if you're 13, you're never going to have your license until you pay these fines and fees.
0: Like a driver's um, license. Your driver's
1: license. Yeah. is preemptively. So that that is also something that happens when you were... Um, so I think that the things sort of to step back are fines and fees happen in every single state. And there are mm-hmm. collateral consequences when those fines and fees go unpaid in every single state, which will differ. Um, and then there's also... Extremely harmful debt collection practices, which is sort of also part of the collateral consequences because those consequences in the fines and fees space are directly tied to getting, trying to get people to pay, or so they see them as tools to get people to pay. And so those collateral consequences and debt, like very, very predatorial debt collection practices, also are um, in every single state in this country.
0: Okay. I think that's something I probably want to kind of return to in a second. But first, I want to I want to just kind of take the the counter perspective here, right? So, what if if I'm somebody who comes along and says, you know, I I hear you these, these fines and fees, maybe they're maybe they're too high. But is there any kind of evidence that suggests that you've seen that suggests like, oh, well, if we have higher fines and fees, we have fewer traffic violations, or we have. Um, you know, lower. There's sort of a deterrence effect here, or there's there's some sort of you know uh, reason to have these uh, in place at the level that they're at beyond sort of purely trying to raise revenue in a kind of skeezy way.
1: If it's out there, we haven't found it. There is absolutely no evidence out there that these fines and fees are increasing public safety, deterring certain types of behavior, um, serving any real meaningful function um aside from being a source of revenue across the country and so yeah. um it it the fee so and once again looking at these things separately there's absolutely no evidence that fees do anything right except generate revenue i mean that's our purpose by definition is to be a source of of, of revenue for the government fines um there's been very little sort of studied in the way of what actually could make a fine um impactful right and so there's potential at least in the adult space to consider that sort of low level fines could play a role in. An alternative to incarceration for certain types of things, right? So we're we're thinking, okay, you do something, you're gonna get a $20 fine, you're gonna get it every single time you do it, a $20 fine. And, you know, that repetitiveness consistency, potentially, there there is, we have to study it, we have to see if that's really even true. What we do know Mm -hmm. is that the dollar amount of that fine is definitely not part of the equation. So there's no, there's nothing that tells us that, hey, if you hit someone with a a $500 fine versus a $5 fine that that $500 fine has any more value to the behavior change or the deterrence or anything that might potentially be a reason to have these in place than the $5 fine itself. And so the number itself, which is a large part of the problem on the fine side is they're not, they're not connected. There's nothing to say that. I think a real live, um, like modern day example of this was fines and masks, right? Like we started when we wanted people to wear masks, and we were pushing that. You started seeing that pop up everywhere. There's a five hundred dollars, two hundred and fifty. Now it's five hundred dollars. Now it's a thousand. Now it's whatever, right? And it wasn't actually changing anyone who wasn't wearing a mask. Behavior that all of a sudden that the governor is saying is a thousand dollar fine because the reasons that a person is or isn't wearing a mask is not going to be correlated with the fine you're going to impose upon them, right? And then you have to really get at the behavior. What is it that you're trying to change? What is it that you're trying to get someone to do? And what is it is keeping them from doing that thing? And then you need to come up with real policy solutions in that space. And the same would be true for really anything else, right? So if you're talking about once again let's go back to traffic because it's it's the most common way these fines show up we're every day issuing probably millions of traffic tickets across the country right and we have automated enforcement which is um a tool that now instead of the officers and and human beings who can issue fifty thousand tickets in a year call it right whatever the number is the camera can issue over half a million tickets, right? And so the, the the rate at which tickets are being issued for these infractions has grown exponentially in places that have replaced or not even replaced or really added automated enforcement to the tools of um, traffic enforcement. And at the same time that this has been going on for call it over the last 15 years, 20 years, where you're seeing you know more and more cameras, Traffic incidents and fatalities have been going up across the country as well, right? And so these, these have been some of the highest years in dangerous driving across the country. And I live in DC; it's been it's the worst it's ever been, as far as I know, in DC in the last two years. And DC has never had more automated enforcement than it does right now in this moment. Yeah. And so what this is telling me is that rather than putting the time and intention into design and infrastructure and the types of things that really actually do influence a person's driving behavior we think we will enforce our way out of bad drivers but that's a very individual way of looking at something that is about a system right so if everyone is going 50 miles per hour on a street where you want them to drive 20 what that tells me is the street is the problem and maybe not the driver, right? It's like, why is it? Yeah, there's
0: some, there's, there. there's some design flaw here. There's some design flaw
1: here. If everyone's getting tickets on the street and you want everyone to go 20 and everyone's going 45, there's a design issue there. And so like all of our systems, but I think that's probably the most um, illustrative way to show that is we're not looking at what is causing all of these things to happen, but you think you will just enforce your way out of it in ways that are really nonsensical? I mean, we have we have fines and fees for homeless people. People are being cited financially for you know sleeping here, sleeping on a park bench, living you know whatever it might be. When mm-hmm. I mean, is that really going to make a person who has home homeless not sleep on the park bench? Is that you've given them a fine? or something else really like at issue here that we need to be dealing with. And that a fine is never going to get you the solution that you might be looking for in that particular situation.
0: Yeah, I think, okay, well, that's a good sort of segue into the next uh, thing I wanted to ask you about. You know, I think, I think it was, was you, or at least some people who I've seen sort of talk about this fines and fees issue a little bit here and there. Again, it's not super top of mind, I think for most kind of public policy sort of people, at least not yet. Um, But I've seen the phrase, the criminalization of poverty pop up. Uh, And that that seems to be what you're hitting at with sort of the homelessness issue here. And I think similar to the traffic issue, you know, red light cameras, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, You know, I know streets where there's tons of traffic accidents all the time. And it is, it's, there's a problem with like the way that the exit is designed or, you know, there's an issue going on. And I'm sure that if they put, you know, police or, or traffic cameras there, there'd be a lot of fines there too. Um, but in the absence of those things, you're seeing, you know, traffic problems. Um, and so I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think that there is, um, you know, a way to sort of enforce your way into some of these better situations. And you know, getting back to the raising revenue point, it doesn't seem like that's really. The concern here. Um, you know, that's sort of kind of a surface veneer that they kind of put on there. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting a little far afield. Can you? I, I want to ask you about that phrase, the criminalization of poverty. And you did hit on it with homelessness. But is there. So is that what you mean by that? It's just sort of, you know, at a certain point, um, it becomes, you know, criminal to be poor. And that's sort of. Enforced through these fines and fees, so can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's that's sort of absolutely what we mean. We we call this work the criminalization of poverty, and I think the best way to examine that is to think about it: is do you suffer consequences differently if you are poor versus if you have money? Right, and so you know, going back to the traffic, if I get a two hundred dollar ticket, I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I'm like, maybe mm-hmm. I deserve it. Maybe I don't. Maybe I think it's a speed trap. like Maybe all of these things, right? But yeah. um, I am going to spend probably the least amount of time I have to, at least where I sit now. You know, my 20-year-old self really would be like scraping to figure out how I'm going to pay these tickets. But, you know, right. the, this version of me will be frustrated. We'll pay it. We'll move on. And that is solely based on where I sit now and how I'm economically more secure where I am right now to make that decision and know it is not coming at the cost of my children eating. It is not coming at the cost of my electricity bill being paid this month. It's not coming at the cost of any, you know, medicine or anything that might be vital to my everyday needs or basic necessities. I am not making that decision. I am just paying it and I am moving on, you know, and at, at best, if I'm strict with my budget, well, maybe we're not going out to dinner this month, right? Like maybe there's some discretionary thing that I'm I'm skipping over this month to keep everything in, in balance. But for someone where $150 is life altering, right that there is a difference between them paying for their electricity bill that they already weren't sure how they were going to pay this month and they you know their medicine yeah. for their children and all of these things then they are suffering different consequences at the end of the day than I do because the, the things they're choosing between are different than what I'm choosing between so the punishment itself is harsher on that person than it is on me and if you think of someone like you know bill gates someone super rich it's of no consequence to them that they got a $200 ticket, right? I don't know that that makes them drive any faster or slower or park better or whatever that it is in the moment. That it they're...
0: wouldn't if I were Bill Gates. I mean, Right, I would actually being like,
1: well, I just saved myself three minutes of time, which might be more valuable <laughs> yeah. to me right then. Yeah, it and might might be. Right, right. Like I make, you know, a $100,000 a minute. I don't know what the equation is for him, but there might be like a financial yeah. analysis there where – okay, that feels worth it to me, right? And um, and so the way we think about that is so different. The other part of talking about criminalizing poverty is the consequences, the things we sort of haven't really got to. So we've talked about how people might make their decision to pay or not pay or not be able to pay. But then the next phase is what happens when you don't? And so we've talked about how, you know, you have the penalties, the surcharges, the interest, the doubling, all the things that financially begin to accrue on the person who already wasn't in a financial position to handle the underlying fines and fees, but then there's other things. So then you're talking about traffic, your driver's license will be suspended in over 30 States now. And, and in one way or the other, in, 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 most states, when we started this work, it was every state, but like five where your license was suspended for not paying those fines and fees. Even if, you know, well, I think when, before I got into this work, if I thought about a driver's license suspension, I'm thinking about someone who's unsafe on the road, right? Like you, you yeah. are a danger to yourself and others. And so now you have your license suspended, but millions of people have their license suspended because they did get that. Um, your taillight is out and you didn't fix it. Your registration is expired Your, you know, your um, stickers aren't in compliance you change lanes without putting your signal on, things that people do we know in practice all the time, Um, they're having their driver's license suspended. And the minute you drive in any state with a suspended driver's license, you're committing a criminal offense. So when you get pulled over, it's a, a minimum of misdemeanor in every state. And so you can be arrested, then you'll accrue more fines and fees. You will go to jail <laughs> and Then you go through the process of how long you're held in jail while all of this is happening and you start a release You probably lose your job. So weird, when we're talking about all of that, there's a series of consequences that then start to unfold for this person who did the same exact thing another person did, but that person could pay themselves out of the situation. And this person could not. And so they're going to continue to suffer more consequences. Yeah. And that happens in all the spaces of sort of the criminal legal system. But the traffic one is the one we, I like to focus on because it's probably the most relatable to a lot of people is that, you know, most people have made some type of sort of traffic offense in their life.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that, it's really sad, <laughs> uh, you know, just thinking about that. Cause that's, that's the kind of thing that I can really see causing sort of a, a, downward spiral, you know, like you get a traffic ticket, I, you know, you know, I'm sort of in the same boat as you. you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pay it, you know, within reason, I'm just going to pay it so that I could, just don't have to think about it anymore. But if you are someone that's struggling to come up with that or something, you know, you miss, you miss that payment for one reason or another, you know, $150 is quite a bit different than that, like $400 fine. And then if you get a license suspended on top of that, like, well, maybe, maybe you can't get to work anymore you know like maybe or or at least become getting to work becomes like a major challenge Absolutely. in know in a way that maybe it hadn't before um and you know then you start to think about sort of the trade-offs of like well I need to get to work on time and you know, maybe drop off the kid or, you know, whatever, you know, some other thing. Um, and you're weighing that against, you know, like, well, my license is technically suspended, but in order to get it unsuspended, I have to pay the fine in order to pay the fine. I need to go to work. And it's just like, this is, this is a really terrible situation. Um, Cause I, I don't know, maybe I would, there could easily be a situation where I'm rolling those dice too, you know, absolutely. where I'm I'm, I'm just like, you know, I need to get to work um, or something like that. And
1: absolutely I think we're, We all sit in our positions and think, "Well, we don't know what we would do if we were in these other positions, right?" But that that is, there are no good options there for a person at that point, right? All their choices at that point are extremely difficult. They're extremely complicated, and it is too easy to just say, "Well, if they just did X, Y, and Z, like they wouldn't be here." Or you know, they should just pay their fines. When it's, it's, we know that people do not have, you know, four hundred dollars in savings. We know that people don't have that sort of rainy day, they cannot withstand like one unexpected thing happening to them in a month. Right. And so, and and most people, even ones that are making higher salaries are living paycheck to paycheck in this country. And so, you know, we, we are not as most people in this country are not economically stable in the way we'd like to think. And so these types of unsolicited sort of events that happen in their lives every day can alter the course of You know, so many things. Right. And we see that people have had their licenses suspended for 10, 15, 20 years because they cannot pay the underlying debts um, that they have. And then once that happens, it's really difficult to get a job. Nevertheless, keep the job. And like you said, every time you're getting behind, you can't get your um, uh, car insured. Like there's so many things that happen. So you're you might have a car, but now it's not insured. And now that, you know, there's all the things that sort of happen that really don't drive good um public policy overall and then you asked a question earlier about public safety not only is it not linked there are studies that show that the more you rely that a jurisdiction has a higher um reliance on fines and fees the higher their rates of unsolved homicides are there are sort of public safety numbers that i think we can really measure against public safety goals they start to diminish and that's because we're using our law enforcement to be debt collectors, to go out here and, and do the citation. And when they don't pay, arrest them and spend their time processing people whose only crime is that they didn't pay instead of letting off police officers do what it is that we believe the true value is of law enforcement. And that is keeping communities safe, right? And focusing on how that we do that. And all of these things tie across the thread of where is this happening where are we using police officers like this how is this showing up and how that erodes at the trust in those communities with law enforcement so all of these big things that we're always talking about these are the little things that make up the big problem right these are the things that are showing up because police are not legitimate in the eyes of the communities when they are seen as sort of shakedown artists for them right that you're coming and you're citing me and you're citing me for five and six things that i'm never going to be able to pay you think about what that does in a community and what that does to the relationship between the police and the communities that they're looking to serve, and that's what happened in Ferguson. You know that is what happened in Ferguson, Missouri, where they asked their police officers to be doing this for the direct purpose of generating revenue for the government, and when they did it, issue warrants and arrest people until they pay like and then and then we wondered, well, how did we get here? <laughs> right? How did this happen? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the police don't appreciate being put in that position either. You know, I'm sure, you know, if I were a police officer, I would think, you know, why am I, why am I wasting my time, you know, chasing down some fine or something when there are probably other things that I should be focusing on or, you know, other places I could be other things. There's an opportunity cost there. Absolutely. Um, And I just find it particularly grating that, the licenses are being suspended. Like you said, not for any reason of why they might be unsafe to other drivers, but because Mm -hmm. it's just the suspension of licenses unconnected to the performance as a driver. And it's, and it's purely connected to this other, you know, thing. And it's just, I don't understand how that link happened. Like, why is, why is that? Why had that become a lever, um, you know, here in terms of like, you know, collecting debt? Why is that even, Why does that have anything to do with your driver's license? I guess that's just, maybe the connection is traffic violations or maybe just, it just happens to be the incident, but I find that particularly grating. Um,
1: and I think if you ask, people have a misbelief that it works because a lot of times those who are making decisions are like, it would work on me it would work on me for you to say to mm-hmm. threaten just if i wasn't going to pay for you to take away my license and you know sort of cause me to be inconvenienced i will you know it would make me pay but that's because you have the money right so you're assuming mm-hmm. it 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 could very well work on a person who is has the money is like you know um fingers up to government and i'm not going to pay and now the government is going to say well you can't have a driver's license but the number of people that fit into that box who are getting like, you know, tickets from the government, then just intentionally not paying them, even though they have the money, like I haven't met that person yet. Yeah. You know, I have I met the person that has made the mistake and not known or like not appreciated that they got the ticket or forgot, but I mm-hmm. have personally, and all the people that I've met who have had their licenses suspended for debt-based drivers, like none of them said, well, I had the money and I didn't want to pay. And so I was like, you know, let's, see, let's roll the dice and see what happens. It was not. <laughs>
0: I would suspect that's zero. And, right. and even, you know, to your point, it has to be the kind of people that that would, it actually affect, you know, it's, they have to be well off enough to pay the ticket, but they can't be the Bill Gates. They can't be so wealthy that it just becomes something they don't care about at all. So there's kind of this band, right. you know, of people that may, it may affect them. Uh, but it, overall, this just seems like a really inefficient way to do things, obviously, yeah, Um
1: And you don't collect the money. You don't collect the money. We should just stress that you are not going to collect money from people who don't have it. Right. And so that,
0: especially if they don't have jobs anymore and they
1: don't have (laughs) jobs anymore. You definitely aren't going to have it. So it's like the, all those things, it's so counterproductive. It does not even get you. If that's your motivation, it doesn't achieve your goal. So, I mean, that's reason enough to stop. It just, it doesn't even do what you hope it does. So, Um, If it did, we wouldn't have, you know, over 10 million, you know, 11 million driver's licenses suspended across the country, some for decades um, because they can't pay. That's a crazy
0: number. Yeah. Um,
1: And that's an underestimate that is based on what we could collect some data on, which is, you know, not nearly what the number is. And if you think about things like the drunk driving or something, you can get your license suspended for three months for a DUI in some places and your first DUI in some places for three months and get your driver's license back. You can you will have your driver's license pay, suspended indefinitely for rolling through that stop sign until you pay the ticket.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes no sense.
1: So things go together. <laughs>
0: um well let's I want to shift gears a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think we've established pretty well that this is kind of an insane system that doesn't really work particularly well for any for its stated or unstated goals. So what are, in your opinion, what are some alternative enforcement mechanisms? You know, presumably we don't really want people, you know, running stoplight, red lights, or rolling through stop signs or, you know, what have you, right? There's, There's got to be some kind of um, consequence or structure around some of those things, but what we have now clearly isn't working. So what would work?
1: You know, and... I- every situation I think is going to require sort of a different way to look at it, right? So if you think about traffic, once again, the um, the issue I bet, I mean, I, I can't prove this quite yet, but my guess is that 85% of traffic, maybe 90% of what's going on in traffic is tied to road design. And so if you, and so you, you can't just lay in, enforcement over bad choices, right? Because all that's just like, you're not, both these things are just not gonna get you anything. You're gonna have a ton of enforcement. The problem is never gonna change or be fixed and injuries and fatalities and all the things that we're trying to avoid will continue to happen, right? Because if it's solely about design or largely about design, then that's where we need to start. And so what I wanna see is a place where you've said, okay, this is a place where we're seeing People going 40 miles per hour, we want them to be driving 20 miles per hour is really dangerous. And there are some um, really good public policy goals about why a person should drive 20 miles per hour versus, you know, 40 in terms of what the outcomes could be if they hit somebody. And so I can get behind all of that. But what I can't get behind is if your road is designed to go 60, but you're asking people with a sign to go 20 it's not going to click for them. It's not going to click right away. And enforcement in all of this is after the fact. It's after they've already done the thing that you didn't want them to do. And what we're really wanting people to do is slow down or drive differently. And so calming measures, speed bumps, road narrowing, like there's so many design features that go into to changing how a person drives that if you don't have any of that going on, then... All we're talking about is enforcement then. All we're talking about is the the enforcement. So my answer to this would be, you have to start in the other place. You have to start fixing the design issues and then start seeing what happens to the drivers. Are are you dealing with like 80% of the problem right there by just fixing the design? And now we're talking about a much smaller group of people where we need to figure out, is it a few more layers of design? Is it the first time a warning? Because one of the things that we've seen with automated enforcement is that most people are one-time offenders. So once Mm. they've done the thing and they know, and now what I'm not entirely sure about, are they changing their behavior for the camera or are they changing their behavior the driving. And I think what we want is the drivers to behavior to change and not to change for a camera. And so, you know, that's an unanswered question in my book is that people are one-time offenders, which we do know. So that tells me, um, if 80 to 90% of your tickets are one-time issued, does it have to be a monetary sanction or is that a, is it FYI enough hey, you ran a, you know, ran here, it's supposed to be 20, and then now you're dealing with a smaller population. So I think there's a variety yeah. of ways like you can think about that. And when you think about non-traffic, because we haven't really talked about that as much, there's this whole world of misdemeanors. Most of the criminal legal system, over 85% of it is misdemeanors, right? We're not talking about felonies and some of the most egregious sort of crimes where the solutions and the problems and everything are much more difficult and much more complicated to really examine. 85% of what we're talking about is misdemeanors, low-level offenses, often which many don't have a real public safety sort of component to it, right? I just did. and so here what we really need to be doing is examining our laws. Like what can be completely legalized. Like, I don't know why it's on the books. I don't know how it got here. Like we were just talking about in in Nevada, how feeding the pigeons and sleeping on a park bench are criminal in the state of Nevada. And they're actually policed and enforced. Right. And so one thing is like, we all need to be looking at our criminal code and figure out what just doesn't even need to be here. Like, I don't know how it got here. It doesn't matter. Take it off the books together. What should move from criminal to civil so that is the traffic conversation most places traffic is civil and so that doesn't necessarily deal with the underlying fines and fees and so you still need to come up with solutions in the fine, in the fine space because the fees are um revenue generating but it shouldn't be criminal right every time you do something like it, criminal shouldn't be where. so there what should kind of stay on the books because it does have a maybe meaningful public policy goal but be civil and not criminal. And then what needs to stay as true criminal behavior, right? That we need to be examining with the lens of changing, deterring, and altering. And what are the ways that we sort of put in mechanisms in place for those things? So, like there's buckets, and all of these things require different solutions and 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 they're and they're going to require us to also be comfortable with some trial and error, that we are, we're going to try some new things, we're going to look at some new solutions, we're going to decriminalize, we're going to legalize and in the civil space. The biggest thing I think in the adult space is that once we get rid of fees, because our belief is that fees need to be fully eliminated. If you think this that governing needs to be funded and operate a certain way, everyone should pay for it. Everyone should be a part of that those operations benefit the entire community and they should be paid by for the entire community and you know your mechanism for that taxes like so look at how you're spending your money look at how you're raising your money make the tough calls have the the conversations yeah make your
0: case to the public too.
1: make your case to the public the public will tell you right where what they think and justify you know in some places fines and fees directly go to paying the salaries of judges and
0: Oh, that, mm, that seems like a misalignment of incentives, <laughs> yeah, if I've absolutely. ever heard one. And
1: Louisiana, it absolutely works that way. Places, it goes directly to the police department to pay the salaries, the bonuses, the retirements. So there's a lot of misaligned things here mm-hmm. of who we're asking to pay and where they're going and where that money is going. Right. And so we have to we have to deal with all that. And then let's talk about if you've done that. Right and all you have now is the fine, what is a fair and equitable fine? It, to us, the answer to that question is both based on the offense, right? So what what did they do and the person and what would be punishment for them, right? Is, is it enough for us to say that a $10 punishment or a $15 punishment may f- feel inc- like it's like that bill gates thing right maybe that's my bill gates moment right that's my ten dollars it's like that's when i get to feel like a millionaire right but for someone else ten dollars maybe it the fact that they went through this process that they had a, a punishment that they could actually accomplish that accountability by paying and then they move on is in and of itself something to think about right versus if a person can never complete the cycle, like you tell them that they're punished, they, you told them that they have to do this and they can actually never attain that goal, what's the real lesson in that, right? What's the real punishment in that? Like it, it doesn't sort of jive with psychology, <laughs> like that those all those yeah. things will work together. Um, so there's a lot of things to be explored. I, I mean, I, I still feel like we are, We're getting there slowly in some places, but we're still very much stuck on being a culture that is very enforcement heavy and very much, if we punish people severely and enough, we'll create this like utopia society that we're looking for. And I just don't think that's proven to be true because that's something we've done very well, has been very, very punitive and put incarcerated a lot of people. And I don't think it's actually gotten us any of the things that we've been looking for as a society.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, clearly we're falling short uh, in, in a lot of uh, key, key ways. I I want to back up and, and kind of highlight one thing you said uh, recently, and then I'll probably push back a little bit on something you said a little bit later. So the first thing I really want to highlight is when I asked you about alternatives to enforcement, specifically in the traffic space, I thought it was really helpful the way that you sort of framed it to think about, well, I was, I was sort of primed for thinking like, what is an alternative enforcement mechanism that will actually accomplish our goal? And I thought it was helpful the way that you sort of pulled back from that and said, well, why are we enforcing things anyway? We want drivers to be safe. We want there to be less traffic accidents. So if we change sort of the road design, maybe we won't need that enforcement. And I think that's a really helpful way of looking at those problems, right? So it's not its not maybe fi- just finding better ways for enforcement. Maybe it's finding ways that we wouldn't need that enforcement to begin with. And I think that's super helpful and super key. Um, so I just wanted to highlight that. And then the other thing that I'm a little bit worried about, it would be, you know, if we... It might improve sort of the fines and fees system that we have now, which is, I think, as we've talked about, pretty terrible. Um, But I do anticipate sort of maybe a new bucket of problems if we were to give a lot wider discretion to, say, police officers or the justice system to say, you know, instead of having, you know, one uniform fine or fee for this violation, this misdemeanor, we're going to treat everyone sort of individually differently. We're going to take into account these circumstances, maybe their record, maybe, um, you know, whatever. And I guess to some extent we do that now, but really, um, that's more for more serious things. Um, I think if you push that down, are you worried about sort of creating a system where it feels like punishments and fines and fees are just sort of being, delivered, um, and an ad hoc basis, um, you know, where it just, first of all, there, that could potentially open up for more, um, abuse, right. You know, that, that could be, you know, turned, uh, in a, in a really negative way, but even, even apart from that, you know, it might just seem like, oh, we're living in a society where like, if I do something wrong, I don't know what the consequence of that's going to be. I don't have, uh, a good handle on that because it's so different sort of person to person. So can you address that concern or do you think that's overblown or how, how should we think about that?
1: Yeah. I, I, I think that, so those, to me, those solutions are are would be created within a sort of a framework, you know what the the guardrails are. Right. And so like, okay. example, so this, this sort of income-based fine model or sliding scale model, or there's, it's got different names. Um, it's done in Europe. In a different way, it's called day fines in Europe. So I don't know if you've ever seen like the headlines, like you know, Swedish billionaire gets two million dollar traffic ticket, and so like no, there's no, no Okay.
0: Interesting. Oh, you, should, you
1: should Google it so <laughs> you see okay. that like that's a real thing in in Europe is that very very wealthy people who commit traffic offenses have gotten million dollar tickets um, for speeding, and that's because they're they don't have a I'm I'm not fully like I don't know all the, the the ins and outs of that system, but there's not caps in that way, right? So you make a billion dollars, like you you legit could get a million dollar ticket there. That that form would not be adopted I don't think in the United States I don't think anyone's like we're not we're not gonna go for that here where even though there's very few billionaires uh like we we still want to make sure that they don't get these like million dollar tickets right
0: because
1: I think the American dream is that we can all be billionaires right and so we often make policy based on the fact that one day it could be us right and so the 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 flip side of that, though, is you can do it with caps, right? And so even if you take like a system now where uh, let's say that the fine for sleeping on the park bench, let's call it, which probably are only homeless people, I imagine that are oftentimes getting cited for that, but let's just pretend that part's not the case if the if a sleeping on the park bench is a hundred dollar ticket, then. You could design a system where $100 will be the max no matter who does it, right? So like that, that, that higher echelon is the worst punishment you could ever get for sleeping on the park bench. What we're really talking about, I think, in our space is what are we doing for the least among us, right? What are we doing mm-hmm. for people who are living low to no income poverty, right above poverty, below poverty, where they shouldn't pay the $100, right? And, and I think you could de- design a system that has those guardrails so that you do know what the worst case could ever be in all of these places. But what we're really trying to get at is everyone doesn't have to get the worst case. Everyone doesn't. It's equally inequitable and unfair for the homeless person and the well-off person that just like kind of got drunk and fell asleep on the park bench, but he's really, really well off to get both $100 tickets, right? Because it it just means something different to someone who is homeless to get a $100 ticket because they will never be able to pay it and they would have warrants out for their arrest, every time they have an encounter, right? And so that is more the model where I'm thinking of is there are caps and there are guardrails, right? So you don't get off with well, now we're just pulling all the rich people in town over because we can give them all ten thousand dollar tickets, you right. know, and yeah.
0: um,
1: follow yeah. them like well, a hawk
0: yeah. just in case they roll a stop sign. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> right, right. Like, I knew it, the Mercedes has rolled through, and now I like, get yeah. that, but yeah, instead of so, we're also not talking about that at least, not in this country, I don't think, where we're gonna have, yeah. um, you know, an endless um, um, amount of money that you could charge a person for these types of things either, and 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 there is. Is a way, I think, to come up with pilots where we see what does that really look like and what could we test out and what could we see in our work? And there are already places that are implementing low income models for various things on the local level. Right. So it's it's people understand this now that it is not just to charge everyone the same thing because everyone isn't the same. Now you can yeah. put a, you know, you can, you can cap that, but it's really about what happens at the low end that I think we're concerned with.
0: I tend to agree with that. I think I have kind of a slightly different view on it. I mean, I, I am very sympathetic to the idea that we shouldn't be um, levying the fines in the same way. In some sense though, I think the reason that I don't like that is because I think um, you know, for some people, different things are going to be effective. And at some point, you know, these gratuitous fines are specifically, you know, taking away driver's licenses. Like, you're really stopping people from being able to flourish. You're really being able to, st- you're stopping people from being able to better themselves. And And I think that's really, to me, the core reason that we need to sort of change things around. I think. In some sense, I almost think that it is kind of the epitome of fairness to say, look, rich or poor, no matter who you are in society, this thing that's illegal is illegal and you are going to get this particular fine for it no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your background. Like to me that there is something that is sort of deeply fair about that, that just the law, you know, justice is blind. It just doesn't. It doesn't take into these things into account, and so and there's a downside to that, right? Um, so, but there, I do think that, you know, maybe grounding some of these reforms less in kind of a, a fairness framework and more of a flourishing framework, saying like, is this one is this accomplishing our goal for for. Public safety. First of all, is this effective? Um, That really should be the first thing. What are the design things that we can look at? You know, in the case of the road, you know, how can we how can we fix this problem so we don't need to enforce? And then secondly, you know, if if we are going to enforce these different fines, uh, how do we balance fairness with making sure that we're not just getting people in a hole that they can never get out of? Like that is. Not conducive to human flourishing. You're actively, you know, you're you're hurting people beyond what the immediate consequence of you know this particular fine or fee is. Um, So I just I thought I would I would kind of put that out there. You can feel free to kind of respond to that or or talk about that a little bit more if you want. But I did want to before we run too much out of time. I did want to get um, a little bit on. Uh, where you see these improvements, sort of where where you've seen some progress here, uh, and uh, what what you like about that, and and how those how that's sort of shaping up. So I'll kind of turn it back over to you here to uh, to talk about whatever however you want to take that.
1: Yeah. Well, so I, I think on your first point, you know i I would love to be in an ideal where you know justice is blind and the way that these things work. Um, it, it's just the problem with it for me is that enforcement is primarily happening in certain communities, right? So from jump, mm. there we are not getting the same kind of enforcement in upper middle class affluent, predominantly white neighborhoods across this country. That's not where police are hanging out. That's not where they're looking for people. That's not where you can find plenty of crime in all of those neighborhoods, too. There's just a different kind of crime and they're happening in different ways. Right. And where enforcement is happening is predominantly in low income neighborhoods, oftentimes in this country, indigenous, black and brown communities. And And so just in the way that we do it it, by nature, by not even nature, by design, where the where we're policing, where we're enforcing, it's already not blind and it's already unfair. So I think like similar to the traffic, if we step back and we reexamine how we're doing things to begin with, you might be surprised of how much of the problem we solve just by shifting our lens into prosperity and what's the real reason these things are happening and how do we get to it? So then we can have what I would think would be a true conversation about what is the proper way to design enforcement when it's necessary and what should that Mm -hmm. look like and what should the goals of that be and how should we move forward from it? We're just so far away from that, that, We do have to address what's happening right now, which is this is happening to poor black and brown people predominantly and poor white people, too. Right. Like this is happening to poor people like across the country. And and then we can maybe shift to like a much better conversation that I'd love to be here having with you one day, like where we're actually talking about that. Um, Yeah. And when we're seeing reforms, I think the way that this space is unfolding right now is there is a lot of work in the collateral consequences space of this work right now, um, because it's like, triage right take uh, like we're hurting people so we're seeing policies and laws changing now since we've launched the free to drive campaign 22 states have stopped or significantly curbed their use of death-based driver's license suspensions across the country so we're starting to see people understand that issue yeah good news Make yeah make make moves in there and it's not it's a long way from being done but that is starting to happen right and we're starting to see that we're also seeing um more political um, awareness that the use of fines and fees has great harm in specific communities along with people getting data and seeing where they've been enforcing and what does it look like and all the data is showing this is right on economic and racial lines right so they're seeing what is actually happening in their jurisdictions and then and policies are being put in place to try to get away from these so there are places like california that had has close to 100 administrative fees in the criminal legal system, and they have have abolished 45 or so of them already, right? So they're working their way towards getting out of a a user fee system and out of a fee system where we're charging people for for their contact. And we're starting to see more and more work in fee elimination. And now we're also starting to see people have conversation about what is an equitable fine model really look like, right? What does it look like to do, to do the conversation we're talking about right now, right? Like, what should we be trying? And I will sort of caveat that with the juvenile fines and fees world, um, it's abolition, that juvenile systems are not about punishment in that way. They are, I mean, the adult system also is about rehabilitation, but the juvenile system is really supposed to be about giving kids the opportunity to, be prosperous in the world to get, get they're so young to like get these things that they need to prosper and there's no place for fines and fees in those systems right they they should all be about what are we putting into these kids not what are we taking from them what resources are we taking from them and their families while they're going through all these things
0: yeah okay well that's I, I, I'm I happy to hear that there are some bright spots um, of, of reform happening so I guess uh, maybe second to last question here Uh, what level are you most actively working on? Like what level of government is this? Is this, it sounds more like this is kind of a state thing, but is it, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is it mostly a state issue? Is it kind of a county or more city level local issue? Or is there some federal things that are going on here? Maybe there's some combination. Where, where do you see most of the reform? uh, What level is most of the reform most needed?
1: State and local. So a lot of the, this work okay. yeah, can be done through um, changes on the legislative level, on the state level. Right. So either changing your law, lo- all the driver's license laws are on the state level. Right. So it's every state's right. got its own driver's licenses. That's all legislation on the state level. The other part of fines and fees work that is on the state level, but also on the local level, is that the states have the power to put into place controls on what local governments can do in the space of fines and fees. Some places are silent about certain things. Some places are very outlined about certain things, but the power to do comes from the state. But on the local level, so in the absence of anything or where it's unclear, the way that this shows up then, in, the, in or maybe even where it's very clear that they can, is on the local level, the municipal governments in particular, where they don't get funding from the state, Their gen, all their money is coming from fines and fees because they don't get money from the state. They can't tax for the most part, right? And so they're, they're really limited in what their solutions for revenue are. And so that is, is where fines and fees are showing up really aggressively. But you can fix that both on the local level by getting folks to move away from that, but also on the state level by saying what local governments are and are not aren't allowed to do in the space of fines and fees similar to how you tell a local government what they are and aren't allowed to do in the taxing world either right like they're not allowed to just have their own like certain taxes in certain states in certain ways so it would be similar to that and so that's where it shows up on the federal level there's a little bit of work but i think you're right in in saying that most of this is showing up in the state and local level that is where the bulk of our attention goes. That's where you're going to get the most return on your reforms and what you're doing. And the federal level can always be in this space, a policy leader, right? Really bringing folks together and understanding why this is bad policy, but also some, a lot of these fees originally generated when the federal government moved out of funding state and local governments in a certain way in the criminal legal system. And so, you know, that's a larger question of whether that's their role or what they should do, but that's when this started, right? And so they back, they were trying to backfill when the government, federal government stopped. And, you know, the real examination of like, is that the role of the federal government? And if they're not going to play it, because it's not their role, then how are state and local governments really going to support their criminal justice needs on the state and local level um, in a way that isn't creating more harm to the communities that they really should be looking to serve. Yeah.
0: So the way they're doing it right now is broken and is clearly, Absolutely clearly not broken. working.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And it's not sustainable and it's, it's just, you know, it's just all around bad. <laughs> so like, yeah, we have yeah. nothing but upside from here if we try to actually, you know, figure this out.
0: Okay. Well, I want to close with sort of this final question here, uh, which is, uh, you know, for people who are listening to this or watching this, Um, you know, maybe they're probably working in or around probably state level uh, government and government issues. Um, What is what is maybe the one key thing, the one key insight about fines and fees that you'd want them to know? If you could basically beam it into like every state lawmaker's brain, you know, what is the one thing that you would want to leave them with that they probably don't know already about this issue?
1: I think that it just doesn't accomplish anything you think it accomplishes, right? It serves no purpose in what your true public policy goals are. So if you can really believe that and appreciate that, then all you're going to want to do is figure out different solutions, right? So I think like to really impart upon local lawmakers that as much as your gut, it might feel like, hey, if we just do this, if we just assess these fines and fees, we'll get what we're looking for. It just isn't the case. And if you can accept that, we could actually start figuring out the right solutions for the things that we're trying to achieve.
0: All right. I think that's a good place to end it. Priya, thank you for coming on and talking about this today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. It was great.